Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. So glad that you would join us this afternoon. And this is the show where we take your calls, your questions, things that are on your mind, uh, you know, things that... uh, uh, that the Lord has put on your heart that you want to call about, that you want to um, open a Bible together. Maybe we need to pray together. Uh, whatever that might be, whatever's on your mind or heart, uh, this is the place. And we have open lines available for you. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number Again, my name is Ed Taylor, and uh, the show Calvary Live originates uh, on Grace FM, which is a radio station network that originates uh, as an outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel here in Aurora, and our church has been overseeing this radio station for the last seven plus years, and Calvary Live is not just heard online at gracefm.com or on the radio in the metro area, uh, north into Cheyenne, Fort Collins in that area, 89.7 FM, and then down in Colorado Springs through Fountain, up into Monument, even in some portions of uh, Pueblo. I I know, guys, it's not the strongest signal, so you can just keep praying for us because we want a strong signal down there, uh, but it's the signal that we could could get uh, and purchase, and it's down there at 101.7 Grace FM. We simulcast. So the same signal, everything is broadcast on both stations, and everything originates here. But we're also uh, carried on the Hope FM radio network on the East Coast, Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, New Jersey, and also uh, recently in the last few months, we've been on the Truth FM uh, radio network, Tennessee, parts of Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. I also know a few other stations, uh, I don't have them on my list here, but I also know a few other radio stations uh, carry Calvary Live, and for that we're very grateful. So wherever you're listening to us, you can call 303-690-3000, and you'll be on the air. Uh, it, it's not a traditional uh, Bible answer show. Uh, neither is it a place for debate or argumentation. Uh, it just is not why we do it. It's a ministry show. Uh, it is a show hosted by pastors. And uh, with, uh, I love the variety of the pastors, whether it's Jeff Figs or Nick Cady or Eric Cartier uh, or Louis or Sean or Jason Vandeveer, um, other guys, uh, even on our team here at Calvary, uh, that get to fill in. And, and we do want to answer questions, but, but we're not going to argue. Uh, we're not going to get caught up in, in mindless debates, and neither are we. Uh, we're not even going to go there. We're going to talk about the things of the Lord together, encourage one another, and 
and be built up in the faith. So here in the beginning of the show, the the, the lines are almost always open, 303-690-3000. Or like I said, you can text me, 720-336-0897. And, and we're just uh, encouraged to be able to be on the air with you. Uh, lots of great things happening in churches today. Um, you know, if you're interested in uh, the Calvary Chapel movement, uh, if you're interested in in, a, in an article written after uh, the passing of Pastor Chuck Smith, go to my website, edtaylor.org. That's E-D-T-A-Y-L-O-R. There you can connect with me on, on uh, social media. There you can connect with all the Bible studies I've taught here at the church. And I also just posted an article yesterday, and I titled it, The Current state of the Calvary Chapel movement. And it's been something resonating in my heart and in my mind for quite some time, and I just felt like yesterday uh, was the time to post it and to publish it. And uh, I've gotten some uh, really good feedback, um, and good good feedback both uh, agreeing and also refining, and that's always great. Um, but like on the show, my, my blog, I'm not going to argue um, I'm not intending to argue, neither do I write provocatively. You know, that that's not my heart. My heart isn't to provoke uh, disagreement and argumentation. My, my, my heart is to provoke love and good works. And so when it comes to love and good works, I'm totally into that. But uh, I don't have time to argue with people and, and uh, spend all that time trying to prove a point. And I, I would say some people are listening in that that's just kind of what you're known as, like an arguer. Um, like that's just your deal and you kind of take pride in it. And, you know, there's a healthy argumentation in the sense of disagreeing and, and refining one another, iron sharpening iron. I'm not talking about that, but the idea that you would, you know, you would, uh, want to argue and that's just that you're going to argue about everything. What, what a waste of time, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And, you know, within the body of Christ, there's always the theologians and theology, theology and got to prove my point. All of eh. uh, I want to see people get saved. I want to see the hurt encouraged. I, I want to see broken marriages healed. I, I want to see hypocrisy dealt to death. I mean, there's a, a million other things to involve our lives in, uh, in evangelism and discipleship. And uh, so with all that being said, I, I'm talking, uh, talking through, got me at least one phone call. <laughs> so let's move over to Victor in Strasburg, Colorado. Victor, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? Good, bro. What's up? Uh, so I work in a long-term care facility, and I have a lady here that does uh, a lot of restorative work, um, works as a CNA part-time as well, too, and is just an amazing woman, very caring. Um, there are a lot of people here that hold her dear to their hearts, and uh, she was just rushed to the hospital this morning uh, with mm. some heart complications, and I just wanted to see if we could lift her up in prayer. Um, okay. You know, it's a lot more powerful with many. So, so would you like to do that, or you want me to? Um, if you could, I'm I'm not good at this at all. I'm relatively new to Christianity, and I I will definitely stumble on my words, uh, especially okay. with a little nervousness being on on the radio. So, okay, no problem. Father, we lift up our friend to you. As as you know, the the concern that is on all the hearts of her friends, but God, just whatever's going on in her body. Uh, whatever it is that prompted uh, uh, this need for medical care, 
Um, you know, she's kind of like that woman in the book of Acts that my brother's describing, you know, like Dorcas, just known for her good works, uh, just known for the good things that she did uh, to, to serve other people practically. And and so, God, we, we lift her up to you and pray that you would touch her with your healing hand and that, that God, you declare yourself uh, and reveal yourself on more than one occasion as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so, God, we pray you would uh, minister your healing touch, whether it be through medical science and doctors and nurses or just be through something supernaturally or a combination of the both. We, we lift her up to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. You're welcome. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Here's a text that comes in. What is dunamos? Where does it come from? What's its purpose, and what is it for? And do we have access to it? Great question. This is from Liz. Liz, dunamos is a Greek word, and it is a Greek word that is translated uh, in Acts chapter one as power. Remember, in Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus tells that group of believers that had received the Holy Spirit in the end of Gospel of John, and now they're in Jerusalem in the upper room, and he says, don't leave, uh, don't, don't leave here, uh, but instead wait. Uh, let me read it to you in Acts, Acts 1.8. Uh, so let me just quote it right here. Acts 1, and in verse 8 he says, but when the Holy Spirit... Uh, Let me read it to you. That's the New Living. I like the New King James better. Uh, In verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power. That's the word dunamos. Uh, It might be a derivative of dunamos. Let me just look real quick and make sure that I don't misquote it. Uh, It is the word... Nope, that's not it. I'm sorry. I should have been prepared. I mean, it's a text question. I could have looked this stuff up beforehand. So let me just double check here. and make sure that I get the right word. Uh, it's Jesus talked about this power that would come and that they were to wait for this power. And um, and the power is, is from the Holy Spirit. And so every believer has access to the dunamis or to the dunamis power of God uh, and the, the reality of his presence in our lives and that is the exact word dunamos in Acts chapter one verse eight, uh, and it just it's translated different ways in the King James: power, mighty work, strength, miracle, might, virtue, and it literally means strength or power or ability. And we have access to it through the Holy Spirit. And if you ask of the Holy Spirit, you ask God for the Holy Spirit, God the Father, He will give to you, uh, and because He is a gracious Father. 303-690-3000. Let's move on to Don in Frederick, Colorado. Don, welcome to the program. Hey, Don, are you with us? Yeah, yeah it's Dan. <laughs> Dan, I'm sorry. Okay, Dan. It's hey, the letter there. Thank you for taking the call. Um, I got You're a welcome. question about, I'm looking for some verses uh, that, talks about um, babies and young children going to heaven when they die okay. and they're not okay and they're not old enough to um, make that decision well the the greatest passage that uh, that we can that we have in the scriptures of an indication that a baby uh, goes to, to heaven or into the presence of God is in the real life story of David you'll recall that David committed adultery with Bathsheba 
killed her husband uh, and impregnated her. Uh, I, I have that in order. He committed, I had that in wrong order. Committed adultery, impregnated her, tried to, uh, and murdered her husband. Um, that baby ended up dying. Yeah. And, and, and we have in first Samuel, uh, I'm trying to find it here, uh, in first Samuel, I'm, I'm quoting it from memory, but in, but he's mourning and he's grieving and, and he's wailing around his servants. Uh, and, yeah. and when the baby dies, he stops, he cleans up and, uh, it seems like he gets back to work. You know, we don't have the time frame on it, but I'm sure it's over time. Second Samuel, uh, chapter 12 is where it is. So let me get there. Second Samuel 12, uh, verse 14. And, and so they're going, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? Your baby died. And in his declaration, um, you, you have this, uh, insight. So let me pull it up here. Uh, his servant said to him, this is Second Samuel 12, 21. Uh, then his servants said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when he died, you arose and ate food. And David said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And and he's not referring to uh, he's he's referring to this in the context of hope and the the lack of the need to fast and mourn and weep anymore, because David looks forward to a future with his son. That his son's not going to return from the dead, but David's going to soon be joining his son. And that's probably the strongest indication of a literal baby going to heaven. Um, and that would be the, the greatest passage that I would use. Someone would have to refute that passage in order to go somewhere else. I appreciate that. Uh, Pastor, I have like a prayer request for my wife. You know, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Yes, sir. I'd like to have a. I got a prayer request for my wife. Okay. Um, my wife is. Uh, she's a, a new believer. She's only been a believer now for about a year and a half now, and she's dealing with a lot of um, a lot of hurt and a lot of pain from her children. Um, okay. She's got a uh, 16-year-old that um, has been kicked out of the house, and he's now in juvie. Um, and he's just, he's that prodigal son, and she also has a prodigal daughter that they badmouth her all the time. And um, she's just such a wonderful woman, and it really hurts me to see her hurt by your kids, and they don't—they're missing out of the goodness that she is. And I just want to lift my wife up because she is such a wonderful woman, very caring and very loving. And they just don't see it. And okay, let's do that. Needs, she, she needs some encouragement. Okay, let's do that. 
Father, I lift up um, my friend's wife and the battle that she is facing uh, when it comes to uh, her prodigal kids. And I pray, God, that you would help uh, relieve some of the some of the pain, uh, some of the difficulty, um, some of the weight of sorrow, and um, you know all of all of that, Lord, all all, all that she's facing with um, all that she's facing with the prodigal lives of her kids, um, and so I, I know that God, you hear our prayers. I know how difficult it is uh, to endure these types of situations, but but God, you give us daily grace and daily strength, and that's what I pray for this family: daily grace and daily strength, and repentance on the on the on behalf of her kids, like they would just get right with you, Lord. That's the that's the solution to almost every problem that we have. God is is our humble repentance. It just it, it changes everything, and so we pray that into those kids' lives, God, you'd bring them to the end of themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. God bless you and your show. You're welcome, my brother. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, We're going to move right into Aurora, Colorado, our backyard here. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hey, Sarah, you still with us? Oh, Siri started. (laughs) Siri answered me. I wasn't talking to you, Siri. I was talking to Sarah, so I don't think she's with us. Uh, that means we've got open lines, 303-690-3000. You guys on the East Coast, call us. You know, I, I, Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, call us. We would love to have you on the air. I know that uh, the calls from the East Coast come in spurts, um, but I'm really looking forward. I, I haven't taken a call that I know of from Truth FM yet um, that I recall Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, give us a call. It would be great. Uh, it would be wonderful uh, to to talk to you. And remember, I know you guys on Hope FM, uh, T- Truth FM, you're hearing this uh, delayed a week. So uh, that that means that it's live for all of you guys listening on Grace FM, but it doesn't air on Hope or Truth FM for a week. But just because it's a delayed um, program doesn't mean you can't call on during the program because if you call on during the program, we're going to answer your call uh, on the air and you just won't hear it on the air till the following week, which is kind of cool because you're going to hear the question on the air like we're going to talk like we're on the phone together, but then you can tune in next week uh, and actually hear it on the radio without being on the phone. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and and so, but you guys on Grace FM, unless it's mentioned that it is a... Um, Unless it's mentioned that there is a, an encore presentation, you're hearing it live. So come on and call in. Uh, we would love to have you connect. And again, I was mentioning that on my website, edtaylor.org, I just posted a, an, an article or a, a letter or a note that I entitled The Current State of the Calvary Chapel Movement. Because after Pastor Chucks died in 2013, there's just been all kinds of stuff, um, just all kinds of stuff put out there. Uh, and and it grieves my heart that we are so easily distracted uh, by the things of men and the leadership of men and the authority of men and things that don't really matter. And like it, like movements before it and movements, if Jesus doesn't return after it, Calvary Chapel can 
get caught up in things that we don't need to be caught up in. And and so I wrote, if this is something that interests you. Now, on my blog, I, 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 I write about grief. That's really why I started it. Life and ministry. And so, you know, it's ministry that I want to... I want to I want to stir up love and good works, man. I want people to know that yes, you can visit a Calvary Chapel. Of course, God is moving in amazing ways. Yeah, but I heard this and I read this. Hey, listen, people write and people say, but God is still at work. And and not only is it okay to visit a Calvary Chapel, I'm going to recommend that you visit a Calvary Chapel. Uh, we have a list of of fellowships that we're in that of churches that we're in fellowship with here in the local metro area, Colorado, really this region, uh, and and you can go to gracefm.com for that list, and and so it, of course you can visit a Calvary Chapel. We invite you to ours, Calvary Aurora. Uh, what God's doing here, uh, it's an amazing, uh, unbelievable thing that God would. Uh, be using us in these last days, and and so if that's something that uh, if that's something that interests you, then um, go to my website. Especially on the uh, grief, I write a lot on grief, and and if you're grieving and and just want to read some encouraging things, or your friends grieving, there's some articles there of how to how to serve your friends, what to say, what not to say, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I know that the those that um, tell you to start blogs and stuff to, to they tell you to be single-minded single focused but um, these are three important parts of my life and and that's just what I write on depending on what the week is and depending on what's going on I, I know that my the five-year anniversary of my son passing away is coming up next month so I'm certain that's going to be on my mind and on my heart I'll be right I'm sure I'll be writing on it um, you know all the drama that's associated with uh, after the fact of losing my son um, you know, it's it, uh, people will go through things that nobody knows. Uh, people go through things that that you really don't know what's happening behind the scenes, partly because you can't, we can't tell you, or we choose not to tell you. And uh, you know, even when there's conflict, um, you, oftentimes you only know one side, and and it's foolish for you to make decisions just by hearing one side. And I know in the conflicts that I'm involved in, you're not going to hear my side at all, um, because. It's not for public, and uh, I don't want to tear another brother down or tear another sister down. Uh, they just need to, they're going to have to deal with themselves before the Lord. Uh, I'm not God, and it's in times like these that I'm very grateful. Uh, and maybe you feel the same way. Maybe that's where you're at. I That was the topic of our Bible study last night. I found it interesting in Elisha's life that after he prayed and his, the, the eyes of his servants were opened and he saw the spiritual realm, that Elisha prayed again for the army that came to, to capture them, that they might be blinded, and they were. Then he led that blinded group of people into Samaria before the king of Israel, and the king of Israel didn't know what to do, and he said, what should I do? Should I kill them? And Elisha said, no, feed them. Take care of them. And when he did, they never messed with him again, at least that that band of, of at least that group. And in the title of our Bible study last night as we gathered together was Love Your Enemies. And that's not just a theme that Jesus Christ taught us, as, as important as it is. Um, that's not just a theme that, that we learn in the book of Romans, as important as it is. It goes, the heart of God is consistent throughout the scriptures. And his grace is on every page, beginning in Genesis. Do you know Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 is a, is a scripture of grace? 
God did not have to create anything or anyone in order to be fulfilled. It's not like he was empty and go, I'm bored and I need a hobby. Like everything, God is self-sufficient. Everything that he needs, he already has. But because of his grace, uh, he, he created us and even still loves us in the midst of our sin. And while we were in rank rebellion against him because of his love for us, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. I mean, grace, grace, grace. So go to our website. Oh, you know, I don't think it's posted yet, actually, because we had a microphone problem last night and we need to edit some things out to make it a clean recording. So sorry, it's not posted yet, but soon enough, it'll get there soon enough. 303-690-3000. For other Bible studies, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number and um, we got open lines. Here's a, here is, I just saw a text come through. I want to answer it because it's, it's one of my It's one of the areas in my life. He says, I'm going to school for the ministry. What advice would you give a young minister? Any stumbling blocks or things to consider? Thanks. I love the program, Jonathan. Well, Jonathan, uh, here's a a few things that, that I would tell you if you came up to me and after a service and we started talking. Number one, uh, be a man that loves God. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Your relationship with God is the most important relationship you have on the earth. And your whole life, while you're in a school for the ministry, your whole life is a school to build a loving relationship with God. If you don't have a loving relationship, growing relationship of dependence, repentance, obedience, love with God, you'll be a horrible minister. Number two, be a man of the word. The number one tool for the minister, like a plumber uses wrenches and a a carpenter uses a nail gun, uh, a salesperson uses, uh, you know, his mind or her mind, uh, a nurse uses her compassion. Uh, The number one tool for a minister is the word of God. You You have nothing to give to anyone. Your opinion doesn't matter. Your experience doesn't matter. Your schooling for the ministry doesn't matter. What matters is what God says on the matter. And so you've got to be a man and woman of the word. Um, and of course, Jonathan, you're not going to be a woman. You're going to be a man of the word. But any ladies listening, uh, you need to be a person of God's word. Thirdly, you need to be a man of prayer. You need to be a man of prayer because <clears throat> prayer is the key of communication with God. It's where you talk to God and he talks to you. And, and so in, in, in this season of preparing for ministry, you just have the spiritual life is more important because God cares more about the spiritual life than he does your ministry. You, you right now, you might have a priority in your life of ministry. It's exciting to go training and school, and that might be a high priority. It's not that high of a priority for God. He's not so interested in what you're going to do for him as much as how you're going to live in him. And a great book to, to get. I mean, we have a, quite a series of books. If you email me, I'll send you a list of the books and resources we use to equip a young man for the ministry and a woman. Um, but a book on that list is called On Being a Servant of God by Wearsby. On Being a Servant of God by Wearsby. Great resource. It's like a 30-day devotional type book. Very easy to read. But it's short and small, but filled and packed with wisdom. Um 
any stumbling blocks, uh, you know, we adopted the Modesto Manifesto here as a church. Um, we, we aren't alone with women, uh, women of, uh, you know, people of the opposite sex. That's not our wife or our husband or our children, you know, or relatives. So a stumbling block is certainly lust with women. Uh, another stumbling block is money in the ministry. So you need to set a safeguard for money that you don't have a way to take advantage of the church and stealing from the church. Another stumbling block in ministry is pride. So we don't want to talk down on other ministries. And and so email me. I'll send you the Modesto Manifesto. I'll send you the list. And good question. Hey, we got full lines. We're going to pick them up at the top uh, of the second half of our broadcast. You hear the music. My name is Ed Taylor. This is Calvary Live. And we'll be back in just a few. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live, the second half of today's program. I know that uh, Jeff Figgs filled in for me yesterday because something really cool is happening in Denver. Uh, those of you that know Pastor Gino Geraci, Gino is the pastor of Calvary Chapel in South Denver over in Littleton, and he had a long-standing radio program on uh, on another station here in town, KRKS, uh, and uh, he took a break. He retired. Uh, well, they talked him out of retirement, and he's back. So he's back to his two-hour radio broadcast on KRKS, and I hosted that yesterday. Uh, while Pastor Jeff Figgs hosted Calvary Live. So you guys that are not in Denver, I know it's, you're like, what? What does that mean? Well, we, there's two there's two primary teaching radio uh, stations in the Denver metro area in Colorado Springs. There's a lot of music stations um, but and some teaching stations on the AM dial, but on the FM dial, two primary teaching stations so that uh, during the 4 o'clock hour, uh, we, and and we have shows hosted by Calvary Chapel pastors on both uh, programs on both stations, and and so for for one hour during the day, two stations have two Calvary Chapel pastors answering questions and praying and ministering to people, which is really cool. Uh, and so to be back as well uh, with my friends over at Caracas, because um, our radio our broadcast Abounding Grace is now on Grace FM and Caracas, um, just reaching Denver, you know. So I got to do that yesterday. It's pretty cool. 303-690-3000. All right. Phone lines. Mandy calling from Denver, Colorado. Mandy, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to call. Um, I had called back in the fall, and I was really thinking of divorce at the time, and you led me into Scripture, and you had um, a really gentle shoulder for me to lean on, and I want to thank all my brothers and sisters who pray for me, and I just wanted to let you know that, like you had told me, the husband and I have found a church, we've been going together, things are going really well, and he is in counseling now, and he's dealing with his grief, and it's helping our relationship a lot, so I just wanted to thank you for the gentle ear and and the wise guidance and all the prayers of my brothers and sisters who were listening to you that day, because I know that that helped a lot. That is so encouraging to hear. Yeah, so I just wanted to check in and let you know that you're doing an awesome thing for us. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, isn't that great? So you guys, um, you know, that are going through a marital crisis right now, 
that um, that feels like it can't be solved. God can do wonderful things. God can do wonderful things. You know, I'm not speaking about maybe you're uh, under physical abuse uh, or, you know, that you got to stick around. No, if you're under physical abuse, you got to go uh, and get to a safe place. Uh, that That's the most important part. Um, but in most marriage uh, issues that don't involve physical abuse, there is hope as you pray and wait on the Lord. Um, there's even hope with physical abuse if a man will repent. Um, not just shed tears of remorse, but true godly sorrow. God can change a man. Um, God can change a man. Uh, I'm living proof of that. And what kind of damage I've done to Marie in our, in, in our lives. And if it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel and the presence of his Holy Spirit, we certainly wouldn't be together uh, 29 years and, and, and serving Jesus together. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's just awesome. And uh, God can do great things. So thanks, Mandy. All right, we're going to move on to Sue in Aurora, Colorado. Sue, welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I want to thank you uh, for taking on my prayer request here. Um, so right now, uh, I'm in the midst of a storm, rather, um, a collection of storms. Um, definitely surrounding uncertainty regarding my job, health, um, and et cetera. And um, God really used the storm to cleanse and pr- prime my heart to finally embrace my identity as His child. And I feel like I'm living, I've been living a double life. Um, I mean, I accepted Jesus, but I wasn't really embracing, you know, this new creation that He created in me. Um, yes. But I see now... Like, oh my gosh, I have to let go of my old self and, you know, um, all the gunk that comes with that. And I'm just requesting prayer for strength and courage as I trust God to restore my identity. And, um, yeah, so that's my prayer request for you. What's well, good. It sounds like you're in a ministry that's teaching you the to, to learn of the what the, how, what the Bible, how the Bible describes you rather than how you describe yourself. Yeah, it's been difficult, I'll say. Um, yeah, I'll tell you why it's difficult. Mm-hmm. You want me to? I'll tell you why it's difficult. You want to know why? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, the essence of the struggle you're having right now is is faith, and and I don't mean a re- weird faith or you just got to believe more. And I I mean a, a genuine surrender of your life to believe what God says. For example, mm-hmm. for example, uh, you. Uh, uh, you, did you drive somewhere today? I did, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you drive on the right side of the road or the left side of the road? The right. So mm-hmm. you drove on the right side. Were there other people driving on the left side of the road going in the opposite direction? Yep. Were you freaked out at all and worried and concerned and shaking, or did you just keep driving forward? No, I just kept driving forward. And the reason you were able to drive forward with confidence is because you believed. I know you didn't. Mm-hmm. You may not think of it this way, but here's one place of faith that you believed. You believed that the two yellow lines to the left of you meant the same thing to the people on the other side that they mean to you. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. if you didn't have that faith, mm-hmm. you wouldn't. You would be all freaked out. You would be so crazy. We would be all. We would be all completely, uh, you know, concerned and worried, and probably wouldn't drive. And I find that when it comes to the things of God. We choose what we want to believe. 
we choose. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you would choose, uh, do you believe that your sins are forgiven? Yeah. And if you doubt that, do you just come back and say, no, I, my sins are forgiven. The Bible says that. Um, I struggled that before, and now, you know, I... You, I believe. You're choosing, yeah. yeah, you're choosing to mm-hmm. believe when you, even when you doubt, right? Mm-hmm. And so now it's true with some of these things that are your past. Because we have this condition, and, and people all around us, they want to identify us. You know, people love in this world to label. So they love to label, mm-hmm. and, and people in this world love to label negatively because in pride, and this happens in the church too, they love to le- label negatively so that they can, in pride, prop themselves up and be better than you. Mm-hmm. And God's not like that. He doesn't label us by our sins. For example, are you familiar with a woman by the name of Rahab? Mm, Have you ever? No. <laughs> okay, okay she, so she's this prostitute in the Old Testament that in the book mm-hmm. of Joshua, she helped hide some spies there. And right. when the city of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. city of Jericho was destroyed, Rahab and her family were saved because of her faith. So normally mm-hmm. Rahab is known by three words. She's usually referred to in the Bible as Rahab the, do you know the last part? No. She's Rahab the harlot. How would you like a name like that? Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Um, and so Rahab yeah. the harlot, that's how she is. However, by faith in Jesus Christ, and now she, I believe she's in the presence of God right now, if you and I are in heaven, you know, and there's people we want to meet from the Bible, and we're looking for Moses, and there's a long line, and we're looking for David, and there's a long line, but then we're like, where's Rahab the harlot? Where's Rahab the harlot? I have a feeling the angels in heaven are going to, are going to come along and say, shh, there's no Rahab the harlot in heaven. She's Rahab the sister. She's Rahab the saint. She's Rahab the forgiven. She is not Rahab the harlot. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for you, sister. In Jesus Christ, you are not the sins of your past. And the biggest struggle you face is simply accepting and believing that. Mm -hmm. And learning to use your past as a tool to tell the testimony of God's grace in your life. Yeah. And so... Wow, thank you. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I pray for my sister in this new season of her walk and relationship with you. Uh, It's challenging uh, as she has a lot to work through, uh, a lot to process, uh, a lot to, um, you know, wrestle with in her faith walk with you, God. But you are the God who, who gives us the strength that we don't currently have to accomplish the things that we haven't currently done. And I pray that you would strengthen her as she's on this journey, that you would give her a quick, make her quick to repent, make her quick to believe, make her quick to surrender, uh, and make her quick to, to humble herself under the mighty hand of God, that you might lift her up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Ah, Mike's calling from Greeley. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. You're welcome. So I had a question. Um, It was a while ago. I was reading in uh, Revelation, and I can't quote it or anything like that, but it 
has to do with you know uh you know christ come coming in the clouds and, and you know he takes everybody um to heaven and, and whatnot and then you know um the false prophet is cast into the lake of fire and and satan's chained to the the bottomless pit um for a thousand years and then uh everybody is uh you know go, goes through judgment and then you know uh we all live with with christ uh for a thousand years but then the devil's let loose again like he, he's given like a, a second chance again to um I guess you would say uh, deceive the nations again uh, for a short period of time. Uh, who is he? How could he deceive anybody that is that has already died and is standing there next to Christ? I don't understand. Oh, that's a great question. So, understand that the the rule and reign of Jesus Christ on the earth is going to take place over a period of a thousand years. It's something known as the millennial period. Revelation chapter twenty. And, and the church returning with Jesus Christ to rule and reign for a thousand years, the church, the, the redeemed ones, those that have already been in the presence of God returning with Jesus Christ, are going to rule and reign with Jesus, and there are still people on the earth that will repopulate the earth during that thousand years that have not faced the temptation of Satan yet. And as he's released at the end, they're going to have one final chance to either resist the devil or to com- to cooperate with the devil of their own free will. So he's not going to be tempting those that are already saved. He's going to be tempting those that have been repopulated during that thousand-year period of time on the earth. Okay, so you're saying that that Jesus is going to come back, every eye is going to see him in the clouds, and then... Uh, we're going to be raptured up, and then there's going to be people that are cast into hell. Cause yeah, so let's go backwards place? a little. Let's go backwards. Okay. Um, in what you mentioned, here's the order. The order okay. is the rapture of the church takes place first, where the church, believers today, if Jesus was to rapture us today, all true believers would be taken up to forever be with Jesus Christ, number one. Number two, what follows the rapture is the seven-year Great Tribulation period. That's pretty much chapters 4 through 19, or 3 through 19, 4 through 19 in Revelation. Uh, or really 6 through 19, probably. Uh, the seven-year Great Tribulation period, or what the Old Testament calls Jacob's trouble. At the end of the Great Tribulation period, Jesus Christ returns in his second coming, where he physically, bodily returns to the earth, on the Mount of Olives, and it splits, and he returns to the earth to rule and reign. For a th- Then the next event is the millennial period, a thousand years. And during those thousand years, Satan will be restrained. At the end, he'll be released for those thousand years uh, of people that were born during the millennial period, human beings, just like you and me, and... And then there will be a choice. And then after the millennium, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And the devil in the demonic realm will be cast into the lake of fire forever. And the, that's when the eternal state uh, with, and we don't know, the Bible doesn't reveal what happens after that other than we're going to live forever and ever uh, in the presence of God. And, and we're going to have a relationship with him that we don't currently, we haven't currently existed up to this point. So what happens after the seven-year tribulation? From the seven year tribulation, that's when when he's cast into the lake out of the bottomless pit, right? And then no, not no. He's alive and active on the earth during the seven year tribulation period, right? But then after that, Jesus comes on clouds, right? 
Jesus comes down to bodily return to the earth, he is going to literally touch the ground on the Mount of Olives and split right. it in half. And he's going to literally go through the Eastern Gate uh, and, and declare himself king because he is King Jesus. And in that kingship, he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. I don't understand how anybody could be deceived at that point when they see Jesus has come for any amount of time. You know what I mean? I how let's put it this way: how how can people be de, how could Judas be deceived living with them for three years? Well, because he didn't see him coming on a cloud with an army of angels. I mean, no, he he lived with know? him and saw him saw him do miracles. Like there's there's yeah. a lot of deception even in the presence of Jesus all throughout the New Testament. It's yeah, I'll tell you, I can answer that question. I think the reason will there'll be deception is because of the hardness of heart. It's not people. It's not that people don't believe. It's that people refuse to believe, and they refuse to surrender, and they refuse to bow the knee, and they refuse to accept God as Creator. And whether they see Him come, uh, every eye see Him return in His second coming, or people live with Him, uh, lived with Him for three years, or watched Him heal, watched Him love, watched Him feed thousands, uh, or what we see now—just the testimony of Jesus Christ in and out of our lives. People are deceived the same way. Uh, no matter what they see, they refuse to believe. Right. All right. Well, thank you. That's a great question. Thanks for a follow-up, too. All right. Appreciate it. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, lines are wide open. Give me a call. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let's see here. Uh, when... Reading the Bible, it appears as though Jesus operates outside of politics and not through politics. What does the Bible say about the Christian Christian's role in politics? Um, it's a it's a great observation that you make, and I I would agree with you. Um, Jesus op- operates outside of in, ga- in being entangled in the political systems of the day, although he did live in a way that respected the politics of the day. Uh, he, he didn't overthrow the Roman government, even though the, they were corrupt in every sense of the word, they were corrupt. But he didn't overthrow them. He lived according to the precepts of the day. Uh, and so what does the Bible have to say? You know, a couple things off the top of my head. By the way, you guys, open line 303-690-3000. I'm taking some text questions while we wait for phone calls. 303-690-3000. A couple of thoughts that I come to when it comes to politics is, is number one, seeking first the kingdom of God is of utmost importance. That We have to have our priorities in order. And our priorities must be Jesus first. There is no alternative. And, and that, that it, it couldn't be clearer that we get our orders from Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can get our orders from Jesus Christ is by seeking him first and, and putting that as the highest priority. Number two, we have a dual citizenship. We are, number one, citizens of the kingdom of God. And secondly, we're citizens of our country or our city or, in some cases, multiple countries with the dual citizenship. And so God would have us to be faithful to the political systems of our local government. Of course, when the political system encourages sin or demands sin, we choose Jesus first, right? Because that's the priority. So definitely... We don't succumb like in a Nazi Germany uh, to the atrocities of Hitler because he's the one in charge. No, no, no. We choose God. 
Remember Peter standing before the religious rulers? He says, whether we should obey God or man, you choose, but we're going to obey God. So it's always God first. So everything I'm saying is under that banner. Um, but we do have uh, quite a, a privilege in our country that other countries, some other countries don't have, and that is we have a voice in our political system. And so we have a responsibility to be good citizens of heaven, good citizens of earth. Um, and now that's the Bible part of it. Uh, and the various scriptures can, and, and other people can go in much depth of that. But here's my opinion. And again, with my opinion, you can cross it out. Or One of the reasons I'm not on Facebook anymore, uh, and although I do post to Facebook, I don't see it, I don't read it, I'm not on it, I don't have it on my phone, nothing, I don't want to see it anymore, is because it's very discouraging to see people get caught up, believers get so caught up in politics, and they're so passionate about politics, and they're so crazy about politics, and they're not that way with the things of the Lord. Now, there's other things too, other hobbies and stuff, but it's just so discouraging. Like, man, if you just take a tenth of that and give it to your walk with the Lord, you would be such a force for eternity. But all these posts, and I don't care what president it is, it, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, neglecting to include anybody, but uh, I think that there's a difficulty sometimes for some people, not all, that they don't know where the balance is. Um, again, I, I want you to know that you have a voice in the political realm. You can voice it. Um, your freedom of speech is important, but you know the Bible trumps the Constitution. The Bible trumps, you know, our nation's a couple hundred years old. The Bible's thousands of years old. God trump, God is the creator of man. Man creates government. So keep, always remember that. And government is a, is a, is a method of control of populations and uh, that's and, and that's the way it is so if you have your priorities in order uh, then getting involved in politics maybe even being if you feel like you need to be involved as a politician you need to be on your school board or you want to be on your city council you want to be a governor uh, president of the united states and all the other offices certainly god allows that and would even encourage that if that's your calling we need good godly men and women in the political realm uh, as justices and uh, judges and all that, all that stuff. But when it takes precedent over God, not good. God doesn't bless that. 303-690-3000. Phones are back. Rita is on the line from Aurora, Colorado. Uh, Rita, welcome to the program. Thank you, uh, Pastor Ed. I have a question on the difference between law, statutes, and precepts. Because the Bible always says, you know, follow his law, precepts, statutes. Is it all the same thing or all the different? Generally, they are the same thing. Oh, okay. Generally, uh, depending on the context, um, but generally uh, they're referring to the same thing. And and they could have some, you know, they could have, um, they could have, depending on the context, it could refer to a particular part of the Bible or it could refer to a particular section but generally, God's laws, God's precepts. I was just doing this. Uh, um, let me let me pick it up. I'll show you what I mean. In Psalm 119, verse 1, uh, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies, who seek mm-hmm. him with the whole heart, do no iniquity, walk in his ways, uh, keep your precepts diligently. Uh, oh, that our eyes were directed to keep your statutes. When I look into all your commandments, when I learn your righteous judgments, 
I will keep your statutes. Now, this is a great example of your question because in the, in the Psalms, uh, one of the tools that writers use in the Hebrew is called Hebrew parallelism uh, because the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. And one of the tools is parallelism. And that is that as you compare uh, line by line, you see that the author uses different words to describe the same thing. So here is the law of the Lord is referred to as his ways, his precepts, his statutes, his commandments, and his righteous judgments. They all mean the same thing in this in this particular section of the scripture. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was often confused. I thought, I wonder if it means one thing and this means another. Or <laughs> so, do you have a section much. of the Bible that um, do you? Is there one that jumps out to you that we might be able to look at together? Or um, no, it's just that through my Bible reading, I've okay. always noticed that. And I was sitting down and I thought, uh, you know, I. And I was just wondering, are they different or are they the same? Because I couldn't, I thought, well, what are his precepts if it's not his laws? Or what are his statutes if it's not his laws? So I just wanted to know how they all related to each other to make sure that I was getting it right. Well, I, I can say, too, that there may be some nuances in the, in the words that are used if we look up their definition, uh, but generally they're the same. So let me see. Let's look at his ways. I'm going to look real quick here. Keep his statutes. Okay, so in the Hebrew, his statutes is a word that's used 87 times. It just means ordinance. It means prescription. It means statute, a prescribed task, a prescribed portion. Okay, Uh, and let's pick another word. So that's one Hebrew word. And then commandments uh, in another, in that same Psalm 119, uh, is a word that means commandments or precept, uh, and it just speaks of commandments. You know, a code of wisdom, uh, and okay. and really, it's it, it's it de- depending on how it's used. It pretty generally, they're they're words to refer to the same thing. Okay, I really appreciate that. Thank you. So, in other words, if I don't understand it, maybe look it up and see what the definition is. Yes, and then and then remember, context always is the final word. You know, you've got the definition, but then the context really helps to to narrow down what the definition really is. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Rita. Bye bye. All right, we've got three minutes. We're going to try to take uh, Bethany in Colorado Springs. Bethany, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. Um, my welcome. question is just in regard to marriage. Um, I go yes. to Calvary, uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs. Great. And Pastor Eric was talking um, over the weekend or recently about how when we're in heaven, we're no longer going to be in a marriage union with our spouse. And Correct. so, you know, he was saying we're going to be married. Um, when we look at Genesis, when God created Adam, and Adam was looking at, there was two of every kind of animal, male, female, and then God said, it's not good for man to be alone, we'll make a helper, a partner for him, and and then he created Eve. Um, That was in a perfect environment before sin, and God was okay with the marriage union um, on earth before sin, after sin. Yes. 
came into the earth, why was then marriage eliminated in the plan um, in the imperfect environment, the future perfect well, I, environment? That's a great question. I don't think it was eliminated because remember, we're reading the Bible real time. God in his infinite wisdom already knew how things are going to go down. He knows. He has right. he has foreknowledge and he has om- omniscience. So he already knew that went, what went down. But but consider marriage as something that is earthly and temporary. And when we're in the, like, for example, the purpose of marriage is what? Um, it's not good for man to be alone. Will man be alone in heaven? No. So the purpose of marriage, part of the purpose of marriage is I will make a helper suitable for him but there won't be any loneliness in heaven. There won't be needing any need of a helper. And as sad as it is for us to think that marriage is not eternal for those of us that are married, uh, the reality is, is that we're going to have such a different existence in the presence of Jesus Christ that we haven't fully re- uh, recognized yet, that we haven't fully really understood yet, that whatever new relationship parameters God has for us in heaven, they will pale in comparison to the glory of being in his presence. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you, know, you. Thanks for calling. Tell Eric I said hi. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining me. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Come out to Calvary, calvaryaurora.org, or pick one near you. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.